I'm Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. We've got a special episode for you today. Each year, Forrester's research team compiles their predictions across a variety of technology areas. In this episode, we ask a few analysts to provide some more context around their predictions and discuss what the impact will be. Let's dig in. There's definitely one technology that stole the show in 2023, but in 2024, generative AI might have an unexpected impact. Here's principal analyst Manuel Getz to explain. It's needless to say that the Gen AI hype has been massive in 2023 and is only going to continue to grow in 2024. When we look at our recent surveys, it's it's already the number one priority in any digital transformation. Interestingly, the number two priority is infrastructure modernization, and we think those two are linked, right? We already see in our service that a lot of companies struggle to integrate their AI solution with their existing infrastructure, and a lot of them also struggle with um, data infrastructure that is holding back their Gen AI initiatives. This shows that Gen AI is just not a silver bullet for transformation laggards, right? If you are behind on the transformation curve, Gen AI is not going to get you there faster. Actually, you'll need to speed up your modernization to benefit from Gen AI. What will technology organizations do to make the most of Gen AI in the year ahead? Here's Manuel's prediction. So we predict that uh, 90% of organizations will be driven to modernize their core because of their software commitments to Gen AI. And why 90%? Is because we look at our surveys and we already see that 90% of companies are concerned about their tech debt as it is today. And that's without all the pressure that will be added by Gen AI initiatives. There's a lot of organizations working to modernize their core. We asked Manuel if he has any advice to help focus this work. I would advise clients to do three things. First, don't try to do it all at once. Pick the Gen AI use cases that can make a difference for your positioning in the market first and fix the core enablers that you need for those. Second, engage with your business leaders and educate them on the dependencies between the two because usually getting investments for a core renewal is a lot harder than getting investments for a shiny new toy. And third, just leverage the insight of your existing service providers. They've invested a lot in understanding Gen AI. They invested a lot in understanding the enablers, and they can help you articulate a strategy-aligned Gen AI roadmap and help you modernize the core enablers that you need for them. Of course, generative AI is only as good as the data behind it. And that's creating some challenges for data professionals. Here's Vice President and Principal Analyst Noel Yuhana with more on that trend. So the potential of generative AI is huge. Um, we are just getting started with generative AI. Uh, but the issue with the large language model or LLMs has been that training this huge amount of data obviously has been difficult to do, right? And, and what's, uh, what's the basis behind this is that, well, you have all these sources of data, but then you don't really identify what sources of data have been integrated to drive those results for you, right? Um, so that's a big issue right there. But there's also the issue that uh, some of the data which has been collected by uh, by these chat GBT and LLMs have been dated, right? They've been like 2001, 2002, whatever the latest greatest like yesterday's data, <laughs> right? And, and that's a big challenge, right, in the, in the industry, right? So, and, and what about integrating my own data sets, which I have for my um, different systems uh, in-house, 
like CRM systems, ERP systems, and other customer data systems as well, right? Um, so, and traditionally, traditional databases, you know, have um, done uh, these database storage and all these things in a more exact matches and what have you, right? So here we see that this no notion of having the vector databases, right? Vector databases actually are the, the databases, which is basically a new generation of database uh, that can store these vector embeddings in an optimal manner, right? And basically these are, are, are optimized for faster retrieval, for faster access, and can do similarity searches. Uh, exact searches we have been doing for decades. Remember that, right? But but similarity searches are so, so difficult to do. <laughs> and exactly the value proposition of vector databases come into play. Just how popular will vector databases become as a result of this trend? Here's Noel's prediction. We, we predicted in 2024 um, that vector database adoption will increase by 200%. Well, first of all, vector databases have been around for many, many years. It's just that generative AI has taken it to the next level uh, where vector databases now become critical for organizations to leverage, right? So we see a huge demand and, and increasing there. Um, and, and the way we have determined these numbers have been based on customer inquiries. I do a lot of inquiries every day with customers, and we also have done a lot of interviews with customers, uh, whether it's in the financial services uh, sector, uh, retailers, healthcare, insurance, telcos, manufacturing. And, and basically, when we look at all of the discussion we have been having over the last six to eight months around Vector, uh, they obviously are pointing towards doing a lot of POCs we do see the adoption um, in, in 2024 um, to, to about 18% in production and, and about 45% um, of the folks are experimenting on that. So about 63%, two thirds almost, are actually gonna be using Vector in some, so, uh, some sort or the other uh, in, in 2024, but mostly experimenting, but also I've said a lot of exper uh, production deployments coming into existence. Uh, which I think is going to be uh, fascinating. 200% is a steep increase in adoption for any technology. We asked Noel where vector databases may have the biggest impact. I think they are going to be twofolds. One is that um, the organizations are going to be leveraging these platforms to build custom applications and custom insights uh, so that they can, they can leverage this platform like Vector uh, for doing all kinds of new things they're trying to do. Uh, but there's also going to be um, embedded solutions, which means that hey, I gotta, I gotta, I, I'm a vendor. I can actually embed Vector in my solution to drive some of those results, like chatbots and 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 um, customer data platforms and search and business intelligence and data science and all those things, right? So you're gonna see solutions coming up with embedded vector uh, in, in implementations already, and and customers may not know about it because it'll be behind the scenes. In 2023, we saw a variety of new AI use cases that benefit workers. Here's Vice President and Principal Analyst Craig LeClaire describing one of those, autonomous workplace assistance. When you started to see AI, the latest push in AI, um, that really um, started to uh, provide a, a contextual and cognitive capability uh, to, um, you know, to workers as well. Um, the obvious thing is that that would combine you know, with the um, the hybrid workforce, essentially the digital worker would basically get smarter. So the the idea of how you know 
the question is, how would they get smarter? And and we came up with the term autonomous because uh, unlike the simple digital workers, um, these workers will understand the outcome, will understand how not to get stuck, will understand how to query a human or query a system uh, to get done. Because I'll understand the context, which is essentially what that large language models or generative AI gives you the ability to do. So we started to see an acceleration um, in uh, companies building this um, hybrid workforce uh, and starting to lace in more intelligent digital coworkers. Where will these digital coworkers show up in 2024? Here's Craig's outlook. In the near term, we felt that uh, operational processes namely the ones that really um, you know drive a company's uh, you know revenue and, and and operations in the back office and the mid office that these were the safest um, areas uh, to 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 pilot and to experiment with um, you know with with the AWAs um, they're not customer facing right you're not going to have brand issues uh, but uh, so um, these operational processes and we just did a you know, major research report that looked at uh, the ten top use cases for them. You know, they're they're um, uh, really important at companies. You know, they're they're ones that uh, you know improve the the understanding of finance and accounting and the data. Uh, they're ones that will onboard a customer faster. Um, they're ones that uh, can can put a new customer if you're a bank through the know your customer processes. Now, all of these. Um, in, in internal processes have standard operating procedures. Well, you know, they're perfect for, um, you know, having that be help you build the query into the large language model to understand exactly what to do. Um, so it seemed obvious to us that uh, while there are many, many uh, use cases across the company that, that are being talked about for uh, generative, um, that these would be, you know, the easiest uh, to, to do, the safest, uh, the easiest to deploy, the safest to do, uh, with more immediate business value. So that's why we said 10%, and, then, and that is the prediction that 10% um, of companies will have launched um, operational uh, automation um, that leverages um, large language models uh, you know, along with um, the um, automation that coordinates elements of that, which is the, the, the complete autonomous workplace system. I would caution, uh, while it's exciting, uh, try not to um, you know, feel the pressure to use large language models for everything. Um, you know, try to find, again, practical use cases that have low risk, like we've laid out. Um, and you may want to look to certain sets of providers or vendors that have experience in, in the development of uh, narrow models you know, as opposed to large language models. So that they can really help you do that input and output shaping that's required to deal with um, enterprise data and to have that be incorporated into uh, the models and into the full AWA experience. Um, so, you know, I would, uh, every provider is out there talking about their capabilities in this area, but, you know, be very careful about your selection of those. Um, and experiment. You know, this is an area that's going to be important. Uh, AWAs are going to be part of your workforce. Um, so get on board and uh, try to, uh, you know, get ahead of the curve. Regulation played a major role in shaping some technology trends last year, and generative AI was no exception. Principal analyst Enza Iannopolo says we should expect more regulatory action around Gen AI in 2024. 
there are two things that led to these predictions, prediction mainly. The very first one is, of course, the incredible enthusiasm again uh, around chat uh, GPT. The fact that not only many companies are using uh, the um, the app themselves as as it comes, but also there are so many other companies that have embedded ChatGPT in their own products, in their own services, um, of course, to exploit the potential of, of the technology. Now, often happens that when you start, um, and this is no new in technology, right? When you start to use uh, third-party tech to uh, then build over it your own products, your own services, it might not be very clear to that final user that you know there is this very interconnected relationship between many uh, or multiple technology providers that are part of the single product or service that you're using. So we have seen definitely a lot of technology and a lot of companies using ChatGPT as an ingredient of their own final products. And that is one thing. The other thing, of course, and again, I look into the space of um, privacy regulation and compliance and artificial intelligence governance. So um, we have seen a lot of interest from regulators, especially privacy regulators around um, generative AI in general, uh, and also specifically a lot of interest on ChatGPT. I think there are about 15, 16 at the moment open investigations that are running um, and the intent really is to try and understand how this technology works, where is the relationship between the technology and personal identifiable information, and how do we make sure that we are still uh, keeping that governance that personal data requires. Because even if it's uh, generative AI, uh, still, if we are touching personal identifiable information, all the requirements that we know apply to the data. And so it's important that we continue to remain vigilant on the governance and compliance pieces of it. And so the the great interest from regulators was the other part of the story here. So a lot of interest in the market, a lot of interest from regulators too. Enza says the regulatory issues around chat GPT will continue in 2024. Here's her prediction and some words of caution. My prediction is that in 2024, a nap using ChatGPT will be fined for its handling of uh, of PII. And so the idea there is out of these many investigations that are out there, um, regulators uh, might have some questions, might have some doubts, might find that actually uh, some of the um, some of these applications are handling personal data not in the way uh, we are expecting. And companies might be aware that some personal identifiable information was used to train the model, the large language model that underpins the application. And um, they may be just more um, you know, aware of that as a risk. What we see, though, is that when you start to use applications that are built on ChatGPT, and of course, they still are bringing to the table the fact that some personal identifiable information was used to train the model, but that might be less of, a, of an evidence, that might be less clear to organizations using this application. But that, the requirements, the concerns from regulators is exactly the same. Um, if ChatGPT is used personal identifiable information for training, another application is now using ChatGPT as part of the, the overall product, they are 
bring into market, those, those considerations are there. The cloud industry also saw its share of regulatory action in 2023, particularly around digital sovereignty issues. Here's senior analyst Dario Maisto with his perspective. Uh, I'm based in Germany. I'm Italian. So as a, as a European, there are uh, the Digital Operations Resilience Act and the NIS2, the uh, Network and Infrastructure Security 2 Directive. Those two directives in Europe, and I'm just speaking of Europe now, are really mentioning digital sovereignty uh, explicitly. It's, it, it, it's really clear that uh, end-user organizations should take care of digital sovereignty even when they outsource services to ICT third-party providers. And so this is, this is one thing. And in response to that, we have seen local vendors and hyperscalers really coming up with new offerings that are explicitly sovereign in nature. Dario says the trend toward sovereignty will increase in 2024. Here's his prediction. We are predicting that in 2024, uh, hyperscalers, so we are talking just of hyperscalers here, not all cloud vendors, will announce 30 new regions uh, in anticipation of, of sovereignty concerns. And so there are two elements that I would like to highlight here. The first one is that we are talking of hyperscalers that will announce and not will open. So they will announce 30 new regions and opening a region will take time. So we, we are not saying that we'll open 30 new regions, but they will announce 30 new regions. And this is done not just, you know, to, to improve the performance, to uh, reduce the latency and whatever. We are, we are saying this is gonna, th these are gonna be sovereign regions. Why? Because the regulation is there now in many countries, in many regions around the world that will force them to have the sovereign regions in order to be compliant. The impact is, is in fact, something that, that, that we are already seeing. Um, governments, public agencies, and uh, user organizations working in um, regulated sectors are now moving to the public cloud in a, in a more confident way. They know that they can go to the public cloud because a hyperscaler, for example, does have a sovereign region with sovereign citizens, a sovereign infrastructure for their sovereign workload and for their, for their sovereign data and workloads. Uh, on the other hand, we are seeing a little bit of a shift in perspective now because you, we were used to thinking that uh, the laptop would be, our laptop would be, you know, the most secure and sovereign inf piece of infrastructure because it's my laptop, it, it is where I am. But actually, on your laptop, you lose track of the data. So the public cloud, and with adequate measures and checks and balances, could be the only place where your sovereign data and the sovereign workloads are indeed secure in the face of sovereignty requirements. Another technology area that's been impacted by regulatory and sovereignty concerns is IT sustainability, more specifically, data centers. Principal analyst Michelle Polino has been tracking that trend. So there are a lot of regulatory initiatives that are underway to help drive reduction in data center energy consumption. And one example recently is in Germany, the federal cabinet has adopted a draft law called the Energy Efficiency Act that requires data centers, public authorities, and corporations to use less energy. Now, that goal of that type of an efficiency act is to help to protect the climate and to permanent re 
reduce the German energy consumption. And the law itself would impact hundreds of data centers that are specifically in Germany alone. But what we believe is that this law may well serve as a template for future laws in this area for other countries that want to um, take on similar types of energy reduction acts in their own um, countries. So practices like heat reuse, which is the focus of this particular uh, initiative, will help data centers as well as co-location facilities to reduce their energy consumption and to address these emerging regulatory requirements. Michelle says the increasing number of regulatory requirements will have a positive impact and drive more sustainable practices in the data center space. So specifically, our prediction is that in 2024, half of the new data centers will leverage heat reuse. Now, a little bit more specifics to that is we also believe that data centers um, builders that are created in this you know, coming year are going to preemptively invest in heat, heat reuse practices in order to reduce costs and meet their own carbon commitments in anticipation of this existing regulation and potentially a new wave of regulation in this area. So we believe that as cloud providers add new regions to help address the sovereignty concerns they will have to incorporate heat reuse and water usage effectiveness metrics and different types of liquid cooling and other initiatives to help address their energy usage within their, um, their facilities. In addition, if you're a data center or a co-location customer, now would be a good time to check with your co-location and cloud providers to better understand what their reactions are to these emerging laws in this area and to understand how they're designing um, their uh, data centers in particular regions or countries. Lastly, 2023 saw the rapid emergence of a new open source platform for developers called Backstage. Here's principal analyst Chris Kondo with some background. Everyone is, or most people are a fan of Spotify, the music service. Well, what most people don't realize is that behind Spotify, there's a high performance software development team. And that development team over the last half decade has been breaking their architecture, their software architecture into hundreds or thousands of microservices. And in order for that to scale across their organization, they created their own internal set of tools that they refer to as Backstage. And what Backstage enables the developers at Spotify to do is to discover what other projects developers are working on, what types of software um, capabilities already exist across their infrastructure um, and learn about other patterns. And so one of the interesting things that Spotify did about two years ago is they donated this backstage portal, this sort of software engineering catalog to the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. With such strong adoption in 2023, we asked Chris where backstage will go in 2024. So we predict that about half or close to half of all the companies that are looking for a platform or thinking about a way to do uh, platform-led software development are going to look at Backstage and make it their the predominant approach.
we see companies like Mercedes-Benz, American Airlines, Ericsson, and Lowe's all on the GitHub repo list of companies that are looking at uh, Backstage or adopting Backstage or dipping their toes into Backstage. Now, what's going to happen is a lot of companies are going to probably try, attempt, and make use of these self-service developer portals. Over time, it's going to evolve to try to accommodate that more diverse needs. Remember, we talked about the fact that Spotify donated this particular uh, piece of software to the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. What happens next is kind of anyone's guess, but if it takes off and actually uh, is as popular as it looks like it is, it has 24,000 stars on GitHub, which is a pretty healthy number. Um, what you'll expect to see is that this platform will expand and grow because it's open source. Other vendors can incorporate it into their product. So so even if you don't go out of your way to adopt Backstage, if you're using another vendor of software delivery tools or DevOps tools in general, it might have Backstage just built into it. From the expanding impact of AI to the ever-changing regulatory landscape, it's clear 2024 will be an eventful year for technology leaders. To read more of our 2024 predictions, visit forrester.com predictions. And be sure to join us on February 6th for a live webinar where our analysts will provide guidance on how to put our tech predictions to work in your IT organization. Thanks for listening.